Shevchenko nello spazio, va via Shevchenko accelera, salta tutti Shevchenko, cerca la conclusione, Andre! Shevchenko! On the 6th of November 2021, Genoa announced that they'd appointed Milan legend and former Ukraine manager Andriy Shevchenko as their manager on a two-year deal taking over from Davide Ballardini, who once again fails to complete a full season at the helm since his first coaching job back in 2004. So we're all surprised at how good of a manager Sheva actually turned out to be for Ukraine, taking them all the way to the quarterfinals of the Euro 2020. Uh, but this season in particular, in 2002, Milan faced Juve at home. Juve went on to win the league that season, Milan finishing in fourth. Sheva opened the scoring after he took the ball down on his thigh and got past Edgar Davids. He then breezed past Giuliano, Tudor's assistant nowadays, skipped past Pesotto and from distance in a tight angle hit a dipping and powerful ball over Buffon, highly regarded as the greatest goalkeeper of that era. Shevchenko won the Serie A in 2004, he won the Champions League in 2005 and he won the goal of the season in 2004 too. As a manager, he prefers the 4-3-3 formation, but has often switched it up to a 3-5-2. He um, wants to play attractive and creative football, but claims that it is important to know when to actually do so. Um, he says that there must be balance and players must understand when to attack and when to defend or control the ball, when to circle and when to give. Sounds like the man that Genoa needs, someone with a bit of structure to his game nowadays. Yeah, a progressive manager for Genoa should be interesting. Non è il brasiliano Rerone. Che gol, che fa, il fenomeno lascialo là, che c'è, c'è là. So hello and welcome to say a spotlight with your hosts Jake and Matt. This is episode 13 and for the first time ever the results of round one of our brand spanking new prediction series are out now. And the winner is, drum roll please. Me, 9-8. Depressing. You can suck it, bro. Well, I had to. That was the clause at the end of it. So, Jake, hope you enjoyed that. I did <laughs> guess I did guess more results, but I made the mistake of overrating Sampdoria once again. I thought that Retiro would do something good for them and that come back in some fashion. Bologna have won the last five against Sampdoria. I'm aware of that actually. Six now actually. And now it's now it's six. <laughs> I thought there there would be somewhat of an upset over there. But congratulations, bro. Thanks, man. You can celebrate for this short period of time. It's I just funny that you trash talked me on Twitter, you know. You trash talked me on Twitter as well. What am I supposed to just sit down and say, No, maybe he beat me? It's <laughs> not very entertaining, eh? Yeah, you're right. Better luck next time, bro. Thank you very much. I'm not gonna need it, but whatever. So the first match to kick off this very eventful match day was the 229th edition of the Derby della Madonnina, of course Milan against Inter, which ended as a, with a 1-1 draw. Um, coming into this, Inter had won 5 of their previous 6 Serie A Milan derbies, losing 1, scoring 14 and conceding 6. Both Inter and Milan have accumulated the exact number of points in their last 70 Serie A matches, with 155, now 156. So. Inter's early pressure paid off as Kessi seemed to overthink and ran towards his own box. Chalanoglu got between him and the ball and they got tripped up and the referee eventually awarded a controversial penalty to Inter. Chalanoglu, for some reason, stepped up and scored it himself um, and celebrated very provocatively. We'll be discussing that shortly. 
In the 17th minute, Davri tried to clear a Tonali free kick with his head, but ended up scoring an own goal. It looked like Tomori scored, and to be honest, he, he totally rode that wave celebrating like an absolute <laughs> madman. In the 27th minute, a through ball went through Balatore, who looked uncoordinated, absolutely, you know, <laughs> he, he looked terrible. Like um, He got spun by Darmian as well right after, and eventually Balatore fouled Darmian, and Milan conceded a penalty. Lautaro stepped up to take it, he went left, Tata went right, and to everyone's surprise, Tata saved it. Tata Rusanu. Um, Balotour and Kalulu had very good blocks of the line as Inter piled the pressure, particularly Kalulu with a double block. Um, in the 59th minute, Brahim and Leao were subbed for Salamakers and Rebic. This brought on a lot of energy for Milan. In the 68th minute, Barella was subbed out for Vidal. And this was kind of a turning point for, for Milan because Inter looked significantly worse without Barella, of course. In the 76th minute, Inzaghi tried to salvage something by bringing on Dumfries and Correa for some energy, but I think they let him down, to be honest with you here. Um, it was the 80th minute where Milan seemed to turn everything around and pile the pressure on, on Inter, even striking the post and seeing Kessie missing a very good opportunity. Um, but eventually, the game came to an end and the teams shared the spoils. So I think the first thing we should discuss is Inter's first penalty and Frank Kessie. What do you think, Matt? So I think with regards to Kessie in particular, I think he didn't exactly have a terrible game apart from the penalty that he gave away and the chance that he missed towards the end of the game. I think for the middle part of the game, he didn't exactly control the midfield, but he was contributing well to Milan's midfield. Uh, breaking down play, playing the ball around, we know what he's like, that's how he performed. He just had two massive fuck-ups, one in the beginning and one in the end. The penalty, I don't, I, I really don't think it was a penalty. I don't think it was one at all. I really don't see, I really didn't see Kessie stopping a goal-scoring opportunity from Chalanoglu. But then again, what the fuck was Kessie doing to even run into the box in the first place? He had a million and one options, man. Yeah, he did. Um, I don't think Kessie ever lost possession of the ball there. Chalanoglu seemed to run between Kessie and the, the ball and just, you know, the referee kind of saw them collide and just gave the penalty their way. Um, granted, I mean, you can't really blame the referee for that because it was the Milan player eventually yeah. who shot his own team in the foot. Um, I agree with you, Kessie played well between the, his two fuck-ups, the first one at the beginning and the last one at the end. Um, but he did not play like a 9 million a season player. No, absolutely not. I think I wouldn't even give Kessie last season 9 million a year. Yeah, I'd, I'd give that Kessie 6.5 to 7 million. Yeah, and that's what's on the table, by the way, 6.5 yeah. million. He could join the rats in their attempt to drown Milan financially. He could, <laughs> yeah. he could go to Paris with his rat friend. Donnarumma, who he's still in contact with, yeah. or he could, or he could cross cross the city and join the other rat, Chalonoglu at Inter. I just don't get how Kessie can look at the reception that Chalonoglu received and think to himself, you know, I'm I'm gonna go for this too. Yeah, no, I I, I think it would be a lack of respect or self awareness. Yeah, to could be honest. Be. I don't know if it's self-awareness, man. I think he's pretty pretty aware of where he is and what's around him and what's at stake, quite quite frankly. I think he, he, he knows that he could probably yeah. move to either PSG or Newcastle and, and make a bank. So he's he's trying one yeah. last shot at getting a decent contract <laughs> yeah. at Milan. If they don't meet his demands, he'll be more than happy to walk off. Yeah. So the fans 
left Chalanoglu a lovely message outside his outside his house um, on a bridge, you know, a lovely banner that said that courage is not scoring a penalty in the 10th minute, but staying with your wife even when you are cucked. <laughs> and right next to it, a little banner, Uomo di Merda. Oh, man. <laughs> like, that's when football gets dark. A little bit they, too personal, yeah, perhaps. They take it away from football and they make it personal, a bit of a, obviously, yeah. a vendetta against them. But, but what did he think was going to happen? He celebrated like, you know, like Ronaldo when, when he game, scored baby. against Inter, when Zlatan scored against Inter as well back in 2010. It was a similar celebration. Yeah. He tried to do it instantly and Zeko threw him on the floor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then eventually he got up and he did it. And Florenzi, shout out to Florenzi, ran to um, stop him, basically. Yeah. He told uh, him, uh, uh, the only guy, the only guy, yeah, true Milanista from Rome. Yeah, he's becoming a fan favorite, apparently, the Nonna's boy and the Milan's boy. Mm. He fits in. He fits into quite a few roles, so yeah. I like him. So, um, thoughts on Balotura? Balotura is shit, I'm afraid. <laughs> so, I see what Milan tried to do when it comes to getting a direct replacement for Theo. Trying to yeah. bring in someone with pace, with strength, a direct player. Because on his day, you know what I mean, he could look something similar that yeah, but it's just an offensive or adventurous yeah, fullback let's call but that on a his quest fullback. yeah on his quest to getting to full fitness and, and full form he's been awful i yeah, mean he's not the, been good the penalty that he gave away was if i were a defender the exact same outcome would have would have happened in that situation probably a little less athletic on the on I the mean, recovery yeah. yeah i would have pulled my groin when trying to, <laughs> when trying to win that tackle but Your meniscus would have gone bro. yeah <laughs> that's you yeah. um i saw shout saying that that he got the ball he did make yeah. contact with the ball but he did not win the ball yeah, they're two very different things i think him turning to try intercept the ball was hilarious he was all over the place spinning around no like it's a no from me i prefer kalulu at left back and that's his third preferred position unfortunately due to theo's red card balo was thrown into the fray when he was not ready to be thrown into the fray um this guy played for lille and monaco before this and was in um, psg's youth system he has only played seven games for milan i believe he, he wasn't ready for the derby. He isn't ready. He needs a full season at least to settle, to understand the team, you know. Yeah. I feel like everyone's a bit too harsh and reactionary on him. I mean, at the end of the day, he's a very athletic, very fast, six-foot-tall, 24-year-old fullback. You give a 24-year-old a season, two seasons, to see what they've got, to see how they can grow into the team. I mean, we've seen how Kalulu changed. Kalulu mm-hmm. didn't look very good in his first year True. when he was playing right back. When he looked, yeah. was playing centre-back, he looked fine. Mm-hmm. Um the same thing can be said about Salamakers, the same thing can be said about many players, quite yeah. frankly. I think alone must be alone to the Genoa. most viable option. Send, send him to Genoa. <laughs> send him to Shevchenko. <laughs> Shevchenko would take good care yeah. of him. Come back scoring insane goals against you. He could still have a, a good impact at Milan. Yeah. He just needs, he needs time, he needs minutes, but I don't want him... I, I don't want him to be a social experiment whereby we put him on so that he gets minutes and experience and he's fucking shit up. No, but like he's, he he's an option. He, 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 he's something, he's available for me. And, you know, he needs to be utilized at the end of the day. If Theo's out, he's the guy. But he's dangerous. He's dangerous to have on the team. And I would yeah. rather see him in January go out on loan and maybe we could utilize Florenzi as a left back. We've seen him play there before. Yeah, or Calulu yeah, yeah, yeah. as a left back. 
I think there are stronger options. Yeah, perhaps. So the next talking point is Pioli and Inzaghi's subs. So I think that it's not that Inzaghi made bad subs at all. I just yeah. think purely subs countered the subs that Inzaghi made very well, naturally. I, yes. I think once, for example, Darmian was taken off for Dumfries and Rebic was brought on, that was Dumfries being a little bit clumsy and Rebic bringing a lot of energy that allowed him yeah. to get closer to Ibra, who was kind of phased out in that three-man defence. I think losing Barella, they lost that link. I hope his injury is not serious, by the way. I didn't read into it or anything. Barella? Yeah. No, I don't think it's serious. I don't think it's serious at all. Yeah. They they lost what was taking them from defence to attack. They lost that link in the midfield, which, I mean, Brozovic does it as well, naturally, but Barella mm. does, it, does it very yeah. well, particularly with Darmian playing off him. They lost that and they got more of a... A physical specimen in, in Vidal who breaks mm-hmm. down play rather. Mm-hmm. Milan, on the other hand, introduced Salamakers as well, who brought a lot of energy. He crossed the ball yeah. well, he, he attacked well. So I think Pioli had the upper hand when it came to the substitutions. Yeah. I think once the subs were made, particularly when Dumfries was brought on, Milan really had the upper hand in the last yeah, 15 yeah, minutes. Yeah. I agree, I agree. In fact, I think the 59th minute changes by Pioli were what kept Milan in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, bringing on Salamakers and Rebic, you know, that provided a lot of energy. They did a lot yeah. of running, a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, Barella going out in the 68th minute absolutely killed Inter, yeah. as you mentioned. And um, Dumfries and Correa coming on for Darmian and Zeko was meant to be the killing blow for Inter, but his players let him down. Yeah. So I feel like Inzaghi did what he had to do and he did what he has been doing at the end of the exactly. day. I mean, These are the changes he has been making and they have proved to be successful more often than not. I mean, Milan made very similar substitutions. They brought on Kalulu and Rebic and it worked out. A left back and a a left winger. They played well and Inter's players didn't. So that's partly the reason as to why the stats look different now. It's because those those final 20 minutes, 15 minutes were all in favour of Milan. And I was on the edge of my seat hoping that that would get a goal. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, But that draws a fair result, I think. Yeah. Um, it was a very entertaining game. I loved amazing. every second of it. We yeah. had what Pons and Sophie over. Shout yeah. out Pons and Sophie. <laughs> I didn't love every second of it, particularly yeah. not the first, not the eleventh minute. But otherwise, it was great fun. So Neil, see, when, when Tomori was celebrating, I was freaking. Out hey man, hey. And bro, when Tata saved the penalty, I yeah, yeah. fucking oh flipped God. shit, man. Yeah, it feels oh like God. Milan scored two goals, right? That game. Hey, yeah, hey, yeah. hey! It almost felt like we were ahead. Yeah, yeah after, after the penalty save. But we remain in second place. Yes, sir. Drawn points with, with Napoli and Inter. A nice seven points behind us. So you could go fucking put your hands against your ears all you want. I don't know. Your, your we weird upside down ears. Yeah, we. we <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. We can't hear you from the top, bro. Me and mm-hmm. Jake. But the next game saw the league leaders Napoli held at home by the ever-impressive Hellas Verona. So it was a battle between Spalletti and Tudor, so it was always going to be an exciting affair. So Napoli had just come off a hard-fought 1-0 away win in the Campania Derby against Salernitana. They knew they had the chance to extend their lead at the top of the table, particularly since Milan were facing Inter and could have potentially dropped points, which they ended up doing. Hellas, on the other hand, coming off an incredible 2-1 win over Juve and are in inspired form, particularly their main man, Cholito. Now, the last time we saw these teams face off was in the end of last season, in 2020-2021 season. 
here Hellas held Napoli to a 1-1 draw who needed a, who needed a win to qualify for the Champions League for this reason, Juve qualified for the Champions League instead when they beat Bologna 4-1 away from home. And as a result, Gattuso left Napoli, so that was the end of an era. Thankfully for Napoli, this time it's, it's not the same story at all. So this game was very entertaining, despite the 1-1 the result, much like the Madonina derby. Uh, Caprari uh, had a great shot in the opening minutes and forced Ospina to a good save from the edge of the box. In the 13th minute, instantly after, Giovanni Simeone found the back of the net after some brilliant work by Barak, who created that goal all by himself, starting off in no position of threat. And through a few movements, he absolutely fucked Mario Rui. And yeah, he played, he squared the ball to Cholito, who still had some work to do. But Cholito, with the form that he's in, isn't missing from that area. So The Serie A player of the month. Yeah, Serie A player of the month. Well, well deserved. So they go 1-0 up in the 13th minute, but it was only five minutes later when Di Lorenzo managed to score after he hit the ball low and hard onto Montepo's legs after Ruiz played him through after a failed Napoli um, uh, free kick routine. Napoli level with 72 minutes to go at home in their Maradona kit. It's not what Verona would want to see in front of them. And in fact, they did continue to threaten the side. In the 42nd minute, Ozyman smacked the post. He had Montepo totally beaten, but he saw his curling effort hit the post. This was brilliant work by Politano, who squared the ball into him after he ruined Cesale's entire life. He let the ball go through his leg. Cesale went down injured after oh it. Like, you know how in basketball yeah. they say he broke his legs? Yeah. That is literally broke his ankle. He broke his ankle. That is literally what happened. Cesale went down screaming, bro. After that move by Politano, he ruined him. Rip. So <laughs> the game was topsy-turvy from then on, both sides attacking quite a lot. It was a good display by Verona. Verona, a serious, serious team. In the 88th minute, things took a bit of a shift and Napoli, you know, became... They were performing much better than Verona. And the reason was that Bessa got sent off after two yellow cards in eight minutes. However, the second foul could have easily been a red card by itself after he followed through terribly stomping on Elmas's ankle who was in some discomfort. I fucking thought that Elmas broke his leg when I saw that and had it been higher up, Elmas could have broken his leg. It was a disgusting, disgusting tackle. In the 91st minute, you remember Mertens? I remember Martins. He hit a free kick so sweet but it, it could only yeah, hit yeah. the post. So he did the classic thing where he curls it around the the wall and it smacked the post it was very unlucky Napoli's all-time top scorer yep yep in the 93rd minute and then Kalinic saw his second yellow card get him a red this was by no means a yellow card and Verona should definitely appeal this because Mario Rui ran into Kalinic and kind of forced his own face against Kalinic's shoulder or elbow or whatever it was was it Mario Rui? It was Mario Rui. It was Mario Rui, yes. Uh, This was the first time since 1998 when two substitute players got sent off in the same match. The last time it happened was with Lecce, naturally in 1998, where Januzzi and Rossi both got sent off. I know nothing more about that. (laughs) Napoli in first with 32 points, Verona 10th with 16 points. What is Hellas Verona's ceiling? this year that's a good question I think thanks I think if they can keep this up which I'd be surprised I'd be surprised if they if they do keep this form up till the end of the season 
But I think right now they can be dreaming of that Conference League spot. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, th- I think they can they can dream of it. Why not? They, they look way more organized than other than other um, teams. Tudor said that um, his philosophy doesn't seem to work with better teams because you can't get Ronaldo to train how he wants them to okay, train. Okay, fair enough. You know, um, so I think they have something good going on there. As long as they can believe, you know, we've seen these fairy tales before, and I think I think we might. Yeah, you know, um, I'd be surprised, but it's a possibility, definitely. One thing that I, I couldn't help but notice is obviously this is only the second time that Napoli have dropped points this season. But I definitely see that they are capable of dropping points. And although they are a great side, they have been slightly favoured with the schedule yeah. towards yeah, the beginning of the season. They've only played two of the top seven. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, well, Milan have played, I think, five of the top seven. Yeah. So now there's obviously AFCON coming up. Yeah. They lose the, the spine of their team. They yeah, don't play. Exactly. Leon, Guisa, and Dozimen. Yep. And, and that could really test them. That could really test them. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Um, do you think that Gattuso was holding Napoli back? So I think that Gattuso, it, it, it's an interesting question because I don't feel like Gattuso is, is much of a tactician in himself. I, you know, he gets teams playing good football, but it's, it's more through his man-to-man management. He, he's okay. a great motivator. So I think he would be holding teams like Napoli and Milan. With, with Milan, it was different because with Milan, he got them from eighth, to fifth, yeah. which is the step that Milan needed. One point off of Champions League. One point off of the Champions League. The same thing with League. Napoli, one point off of Champions League. Yeah, probably. and then all Milan needed after Gattuso was, was some refining, a bit of a yeah. system. So Gattuso gets that, that all special yeah. first step. So he would be holding Napoli yeah. back when it comes to being in the top four and competing for the league like, like yeah. Napoli were under Sarri, I believe. Yeah, I just think that uh, an expressive manager, a progressive manager, suits this team more than Gattuso. Gattuso is a tactician, don't get me wrong. He's a, mm-hmm. he's a very good tactician, um, more than people tend to give him credit for. And his man management is amazing, as yeah. you mentioned. Um, but I do think that with a team like Napoli, you need... You need a Sarri type, you need a Spalletti type, you know, someone fluid, someone... They are very technically gifted yeah, players. Yeah, yeah. Players that can pass the ball, players that can run, good close ball control. I, I mean, you look at players like Insigne, Lozano, Politano, Elmas, Ruiz, these Zielinski. Yeah. These are all very technically Ozyman. gifted players. Ozyman. Now, when it comes to Napoli, I think that in particular, they still really struggle when it comes to the left-back department. I yeah, don't yeah, think yeah. Rui should be their main man at all. He has improved, but he's still, he still he leaves a lot to be desired. He gives, yeah, he gives good waves of, of performances, but he yeah. is by no means a, a stable choice that can break down play, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's, he's okay going forward, but he's not all that great defensively. And I also think that, you know, if, if Napoli could get a better centre-back than Rahmani, they would also benefit over there. Yeah. Obviously, Rahmani suits the way Koulibaly yeah, plays. He's not been bad either. Yeah, and, and I mean, Manolas is still out injured, but it's interesting to see who will, who will start in that starting 11 between Rahmani and Manolas once he's back. But anyways, Napoli maintained their first spot with 32 points, still level on points with Milan. Veron, on the other hand, climb up to 10th on 16 points. So the next match took place between Cagliari and Atalanta. Atalanta winning 2-1 to jump into fourth spot ahead of Roma. Cagliari sit at the bottom of the table and Gasperini gets his 200th Serie A win as a manager. 
Yeah, it was in the sixth minute that Pasalic scored a Zapacosta assist. He was brilliant, Zapacosta. Um, Pasalic tends to have these like poachers instinct finishes, mm-hmm. you know, being at the right place at the right time. It was the 27th minute where Joao Pedro equalized a long ball by Godin, found him through, to be honest. Um, he took a shot, it took a deflection, and it went in great effort and great work by Joao Pedro, and you could see how much it meant to him. In the 43rd minute, Zapata received the ball from Coop Miners, who was playing deeper into the opposition's half of this game, and he took on Godin and finished just out of reach of Cranio, who should have done better, to be honest, but mm. um, a good goal for Atalanta. You know, Atalanta rode the game out. They had a penalty that was not given. Um, initially, it, it was given, but VAR ruled it off as Liko Janis apparently cleared the ball through Pasalic's legs. It was actually a clean tackle through the legs. You know, he kicked right yeah. between his legs. And oh, interesting. Yeah, it was oh, a, interesting. A good one. Now, talking points, bro. This was another game which didn't feature Luis Muriel. What's happening? You know, he was injured recently, so maybe he's trying to ease him back into playing full matches, even though Muriel never really plays full matches. So he must be easing him back into the process, though. But by not playing him? I mean, maybe the recovery is taking... Maybe he's just there for emergencies if if Zapata is fatigued or anything of the sort. But obviously, we don't see such a thing from Zapata nowadays. But yeah, I I think there must be... Something going on behind the scenes for mm. Muriel not starting. It's odd because Muriel was a solution of the yeah. bench for, for Atalanta. And he was almost, uh, you know, an inevitable, quite frankly. Um, every time he'd play, he'd score. He had one of the best, you know, goals to minutes ratio in Europe, if not the best. Yeah, I think if, if he would have featured, then maybe we'd be looking at a 4-1 scoreline yeah. against Cagliari. You know, you know what yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's a, a problem with his fitness. You know, he's never been the best when it came to professionalism in the, yeah. in the physical <laughs> department. You know? For sure. Yeah. The next question is actually about being washed up as well. What percentage is Ilicic running at, in your opinion? Ooh, what percentage of washed up? No, no. How, what percentage of his best self is he running at? Ah, I, no, I would, I would say he's at 75 to 80% this really? season. I think he's definitely doing better than he was last season. I think he's still inconsistent but his performances have been slightly no, more last positive. season he was incredible he had a crazy run where he scored from half pitch and all that no against no, that Torino was, was that the season prior yeah. oh whoops um, okay fair enough I think he's running at 60% personally I wouldn't 60. give him more than that he's playing well again but we've seen what he's capable of um, can he reach those heights again I, I, I'm not sure I'm not sure well, not at his age. I think his his best days are behind him now, but I still think he could be utilized well in the team. Um, like we said, he's he's quite inconsistent, and when he doesn't look on, I mean, his his fitness looks poor. He looks his yeah. posture looks poor. Yeah, you, you, you know yeah, what I mean? His double chin looks poor. His work yeah. rate becomes <laughs> becomes terrible. But yeah. but yeah, he always has that magic something though to offer. So he's far from useless. Exactly. He reminds me a bit of Matt Letizia with with Southampton back in the day. Yeah, perhaps. I don't remember him considering him considering I was still you know a sperm in my dad's ball sack. <laughs> but anyway, um, has Pavoletti peaked? Has Pavoletti peaked? Yes. In 2018-2019, he scored 16 goals. The season before, he scored 11 goals. The season before, he scored 14 goals. Now he's 32 years old. And coming on for the last 15 minutes for each game for last place Cagliari. I mean, the, the height of his career has probably been reached in the seasons prior to this. Um, 
Yeah, no, I, I don't think Pavoletti is really a solution for the Cagliari team, particularly when they have two options up front, like Balde and But he needs Schwauke. to be dropped, you know? You need a guy. <laughs> yeah, I know, but Pavoletti is not the guy, in my opinion. I think they should bring in someone else and Pavoletti can go to a, a Venezia or, or a Serie B team, in my opinion. I So Pavoletti tore his, his ACL after these seasons and that's what that's what eventually stopped him I think he might be able to become useful again you know 32 years old isn't that old especially in Italy and um, the type of player he is you know he's, he's a target man yeah so he could still be useful for certain teams he could still be useful for sure particularly off the bench or, or with injuries so on so forth but I think a player is youth, is useful past the age of 32 when they've had a good career to back that up and, and they've got something to refer to. They've got performances to refer to and I don't think Pavoletti has that. Um, but, you know, 16 goals, 11 goals, 14 goals, those aren't bad numbers. You know, three seasons in a row and it was only two years ago. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Fair so enough. we'll see. Um, I think he has peaked personally, but I, I still think they can get... 10 goals out of him if they if they utilize him well um, maybe not at Cagliari yeah I had I had no idea that he had those numbers in the season yeah. prior to this every time I see him it doesn't really impress me much Pavoletti yeah so um, do you think that this will be our top four as it stands uh, we asked we discuss this every week but it's too much fun yeah but but I, I I genuinely think so I think that Atalanta have enough fire in them to you know cement themselves in the top four, particularly over sides like mm-hmm. Lazio, Roma and Juve, who have shown major inconsistencies. Uh, fifth and sixth is obviously up for grabs between those three teams. And then there's also Verona and Fiorentina that, that could give teams a run for their money. But yeah, I think as it stands, maybe we'll see Atalanta dip and come back a, a couple of times more. But yeah, I think that's yeah. that's the top four for us. Yeah, I wonder how Juve will recover. Hey. But we'll see. So Cagliari sit at the bottom, three points from safety, while Atalanta sit in fourth, one head, one point ahead of Lazio, not one head. (laughs) So funnily enough, Juve is the next game at home against Fiorentina. Now, this isn't exactly a derby, but there is no bigger rivalry, I think, than the Fiorentina fans have towards the Juve team. Fiorentina, absolutely. It's a recurring theme in Italy. I wonder why. (laughs) But it all started when Baggio left Fiorentina to join Juve back in the day. Mm -hmm. Um, A stigma started saying that Fiorentina's top players always leave to join Juve and Bernardeschi followed suit and then Chiesa followed suit. So it left a a bitter taste in in Fiorentina fans' mouth. They fucking hate them, man. Yeah. Um... So, Jagowski's replacement almost gifted Morata a goal in the opening minutes, smashing the ball into the, Span- into the Spaniard, who was keen to get a block in, but thankfully for Taracciano, the ball missed the goal. Morata had another opportunity later on, taking advantage of Odriozola's sloppy defending after a clearance by Juve. He took the ball too wide, however, when he tried taking the ball around the keeper, he ended up playing, to- playing it to Dybala, who skied it. Fiorentina had a few opportunities themselves, and... I genuinely think that Fiorentina were not the better team, but but they they definitely showed a lot of spirit in the game, and I think yeah. they did enough to to come away even potentially with with three points. And um, towards the end of the first half, Fiorentina were denied the opportunity to score from the penalty spot after. Referee Simone Sozza did not call a penalty after checking VAR and whistled for half time instead. Now. The ball definitely made contact with Danilo's extended arm. But 
There was a little bit of confusion on if the ball hit a Fiorentina player before it made contact with Danilo's arm. In that case, if, if that was the case... It, it would have been too close. Yeah, it would have been too close. But I don't think it hit the Fiorentina player. I don't think it hit the Fiorentina player at all. I, and and yeah. I think it was a penalty. Now, there are certain rules in place that say that players could be interfering yeah. with play or, or with vision. Or with, or with vision. Board, yeah, I've got no problem with this not being called, but at least, you know... Let's have a little bit of, of consistency. consistency. Yes, the junior comes. Messias penalty against um, Atalanta was exactly the same situation. Jesus. Yeah, I, I recall Exactly that. the same, and he that. gave it. You know, I don't have a problem with him giving this penalty particularly. Um, I just want to know what the rules are, and I'm sure everyone feels the same way. Yeah, the, being a referee, it shouldn't be dependent on the referee's yeah. personality, how lenient he is, or, or whatever. We saw, we saw the same thing in, in, the, in the Champions League, where, where Juve had to retake a penalty after Dybala had missed, because players, because defenders had ran into the box mm. prematurely. Yeah. But in reality, that happens with every Every single penalty Every single that's given, time. you know, what are you going to call them all Goalkeepers off? coming off their line. I think yeah. Tatarasan was, was the first one who was literally yeah. rooted to the line. But normally yeah. they take a step forward to make the goal look smaller. We all know how that works. Now Fiorentina at, at this point were kind of, they had their groove going on and they looked good going forward. They looked like they were controlling the game. Juve didn't seem to have many... Streams of creativity, particularly with Rabiot playing out wide. But in the 73rd minute, things took a turn after Milinkovic received a red card for his second yellow after a foul on Chiesa. It was a tactical foul, and I think the guy must have forgotten that he was on a yellow already. He went in a yeah. bit rash. Obviously, Chiesa went down, um, rightly so, and it was a red card. Three minutes later, and then Chiesa almost scored one of the goals of the season after a volley from a tight angle, smashing the crossbar after jostling past Biragi. Moments after, in the 91st minute, a winner was scored by Quadrado after he smashed under Tarachano from a very tight angle after beating Biragi with a couple of stepovers. Now, Quadrado may have not left Fiorentina directly to go to Juve, but he did have potentially his breakout season at yeah. Fiorentina. And he danced. He scored and he danced. Another yeah. piece of shit here, Loki. Yeah, so <laughs> another, another reason for Fiorentina fans to hate Juve mm-hmm. and every single player that has, that has left them for Juve. Um, it was a fantastic win for Juve, especially considering their yeah, form. They needed this yeah. badly. Fiorentina had beaten Atalanta this, this season as well. Mm-hmm. They're, they're a very good side. Fiorentina are not exactly beating the top seven teams this season, apart from Atalanta, obviously, but they're winning the games they have to win in order to yeah. get themselves to a respectable position. We remember how fucking shit they were last season as well. Quarta. Yeah. Um, is a great, He's great a very good centre-back. Center back, man. And thankfully, he will be missing the Milan game because of an accumulation of yellow cards. Yeah. And Milinkovic will also be missing the Milan game Ooh. because of a red card. So Fiorentina have virtually no centre-backs against, against Milan. That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. How do you see Fiorentina's season going? Should they lose Vlaovic in January? Well, it very much depends on how they replace him, but um, the short answer is badly. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think... Well, it might change their approach, you know. I, uh, Italiano has never been the type to... I mean, he had he, he was working with Nzola at yeah, Spezia, fair enough. who isn't the best striker of them all. So maybe he can get something going for yeah. them without him. They uh, definitely need to sign a striker, though, because Cochrane is not going to start... Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so either. Absolutely not. Yeah, but but there is talent on the team. They'd have to bring in a replacement. 
I can't think of anyone right now, but um, yeah. if they bring in someone, they, they might be able to, to keep this up. But let's be real, I don't think they're aiming for, for a European spot, are they? Uh, well, with the position that they find themselves in right now, I think they have every reason to be optimistic. Um, however, in the beginning of the season, it wouldn't have been exactly their plan. But now that yeah. they find themselves here, they might as well go for it. Um, I think that they have great squad depth when it comes to their wingers in particular. Because yeah, 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 yeah. they're utilizing, like in this game, they utilize Saponar and Callejon. But any other yeah. day, you can have Gonzalez and Sotil. And Sotil yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, I mean... Great for squad rotation. A few nice names here too. Like they had Duncan Amrabat on the bench. They had Nastasic, the centre-back. They had Benassi. Maleh isn't bad, the number 14. Um, They... Comiso has already said that they're going to sell Vlaovic in January. Mm -hmm. Because he's not letting him go for free. Yeah, just not to Arsenal. Exactly. So it all depends on the replacement. 100%. Yeah. Um, Taracciano, I think, um, obviously, with Dragovski, Fiorentina have one of the brightest talents in goal in Serie A, uh, particularly for his age. I think he's fantastic. Um, Taracciano stepped in to replace him. Obviously, Dragovski going to quite a lengthy injury himself. Taracciano should have done better with that final goal where the, he let the ball... Because he got beaten at his near post, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But brilliant work, nonetheless, by, by Quadrado. catching him off guard, exactly. Yep, and for that reason, because of that very goal in the 91st minute, Fiorentina find themselves above Juve by just one goal, both sides on 18 points in 7th and 8th, respectively. So the next game took place between Sampdoria and Bologna. This match ended 2-1 for Bologna. They keep their European dream alive, because now even Bologna have a European dream. Apparently <laughs> everyone has a European dream this season. And everyone has a relegation battle yeah. as well. <laughs> It was a hard-fought victory against Sampdoria and, you know, the last time Bologna reached Europe was in 1999. Oof. So this would be crazy if they managed to pull it off. It was in the 47th minute where Svanberg scored and Soriano assisted. Two contributions from two players that really needed it. Yeah, 100%. In the 77th minute, Thorsby got on the end of a... Of a Free kick, I believe it was a free kick, and it was Yoshida who directed the ball towards him, who's been a menace, you know, he's a fantacultural one-credit king right now, <laughs> Yoshida. And Thorsby slid in and scored and celebrated passionately. And in the 78th minute, just a minute later, um, Svanberg played Arnautovic through, who scored, finished off very cleanly. You know, Arnautovic has been so good, and we were saying at the beginning of the season how Bologna needed a striker really yeah. badly. Um, he's the guy. He's the guy. They they brought him in and they look so much better. It was always a gamble getting him from, I think they they signed him from China or or something like that, at least. Yeah, yeah, they did. did. It it was quite a gamble getting a 32 year old who's been away from, it's called professional European football Mm -hmm. for a while, but it's paid off well. I mean, he's got, he's scoring goals, he's bagging assists, and he has kind of that Zlatan effect on on Bologna. Yeah. it's crazy how it can go from bad to good, you know, I mean, a few episodes ago we were talking about Bologna like they were pure dog shit. Yeah. You know, and their sporting director resigned, yeah. claiming that the team wasn't competitive enough, Mihailovic's job was on the line. And now they're winning, everyone's talking about their European hopes. It's, it's crazy how reactionary football is, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I mean even from, from our end, you, you know what I mean? Like, Bologna simply were not playing good football. Um, I, I really don't think that they're playing incredible football now, to be honest. And I, Bologna? Yeah. And they're I, they're I, playing efficient football. 
I mean, they're, they're getting the job done. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, you know, I think there's still still a lot of polishing to be done to decide yeah. if they really want to compete for Europe. I, I, I don't even think they, they get close to Europe this season. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Um, but it was nice to see Svanberg, you know, getting involved against Soriano, mm-hmm. getting involved again. These guys can contribute. They, they're definitely a force to be reckoned with. Um, they are the players that make Bologna special. Yeah, yeah. So it's good to see them on form. So as we mentioned in the intro, or earlier on in this episode rather, Bologna had won each of their last five Serie A meetings against Sampdoria, scoring 2.4 goals per game on average in the process. Now, Sampdoria rattled the woodwork twice in the first half, bro. Are their strikers off? Their last goal in open play came through Caputo against Atalanta. And before that, um, it was Caputo's double against Empoli on the 19th of September. That's so their, their last open play goal. Since then, only Qualiella has scored as a striker. Um, he scored a penalty in October. But it's safe to say that their strikers aren't delivering, right? Um, you have Gabbiadini, you have Qualiella, you have Caputo, you have Torre Grossa, and no one's scoring. What's going on? Yeah, I, th- I think this is a, a, a point that we made a good point in, in one of our previous episodes that they have aging strikers up front and they all kind of provide the same thing. I think Sampdoria bank a lot on their ability to get the ball into the box, mm-hmm. particularly yes. Damgard, da- Damsgaard, Kandreva, Thorsby mm-hmm. as well, um, Adrian Silva. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Even Augello and Berezinski as well. Yeah, they, they tend to go for these Petanias type, type players, the, the ones that stay into the box and, and yeah. can finish off. But... It's simply not working for them. Maybe they need someone a bit more mobile. Maybe someone that could drag the ball yeah. forward themselves. Or, or maybe start playing with a secondary striker yeah. to bring the ball forward yeah, rather thought, than two up top. I thought Keita Balde played very well for them when he was there. I like Keita Balde yeah. with them, genuinely. So this was labelled a must-win for Sampdoria. They lost and Ferrero <laughs> confirmed his trust in Daversa. Was Is this a good decision? We thought about We talked about, you know, if Sampdoria don't win the next two games, this game being one of them. Um, Daversa would have surely been sacked, right? That's yeah. what we discussed on the last pod. Yep. And I, I'm afraid to say, I think he should be sacked at this point. I, I think it's an embarrassing run of form that the team is on. I mean, I can't remember the last time they, they won a game. They they lost against Cagliari as well. They're, <laughs> like I keep on saying, they're, they're not playing terrible football, but it's because yeah. they have good players. But they find themselves all the way down in relegation zone and I think they only have one win in their last five yeah and four losses Jesus Christ man yeah no. I don't know if... the only thing Sampdoria have going for them is the fact that they have a good squad yeah. if they didn't have a good squad they'd be fucking bottom yeah but I don't think as we mentioned you know their their transfer market wasn't very eventful no. um, they only brought in Caputo pretty much Yeah. so I think that Ferrero empathizes with Daversa saying you know I didn't really strengthen the team the worst you know, he doesn't deserve to be sacked. We should yeah, just keep him on empathy, and see what he can do. With empathy, shmempathy, you know what I mean? Yeah, they yeah. need to start getting results. And yeah, maybe maybe getting rid of Daversa now and, and bringing in a good replacement, giving him a month of work before the January transfer market will do good things for Sampdoria. It's, look, it could maybe, go two but ways. but they have a potentially long-term project with Daversa. He's a young manager with a, with a good philosophy on him. But it, it's simply not working, though. I, I really am not, I'm, yet, I'm not but seeing we're 14 games in, you know? We are 14, games 14, in. 14, 13? Who, how many games in are we? Something like that. But yeah. we're, I mean, Sampdoria are in 18th place. It, it's not even that like they dropped a couple of silly points here and there. Yeah, I yeah. mean, there are nine points yeah. in, these, in these games. 
No, I think I think it's I think it's time for for Daversa to to step down as as manager. I would say you know keep him around a bit longer. At the end of the day, a win will take them up to fifteenth. I doubt they plan on doing anything this season. Let's give Daversa some time. You know, let's get him going. Why not? So sacrifice a season with the hopes of of doing better next year. The season's done. You know, all they have to do is not get relegated now. And Diversa is very capable of not getting teams relegated, as we saw him do with Parma. Yeah, I mean, just like any other team, Sampdoria can definitely turn it around. There's still time, whether they do it with Diversa or not. I'm I'm sure the players have the capacity to to do that. So Bologna currently sit ninth with 18 points, the same as Fiorentina and Juventus as as they sit in seventh. Um, they are four points off of fourth place. Jesus. Sampdoria are in 18th with nine points, the same as their rivals, Genoa. And on December the 10th, there's the Derby della Lanterna. And that's going to be crazy. If I have anyone's birthday on that day. Oh my God. That's a day after we come back from Amsterdam. Oh, that's lovely. so good. Oh, it's a that's... shame I won't be able to see. <laughs> you won't be no, able to man. watch it. No, I won't be able to see. Ah. how <laughs> fucked up I'm going to be. <laughs> in general, not watch. See. So the next game was one of the biggest upsets. Well, it was the biggest upset in this match day as Venezia beat Roma three goals to two at home. So the Giallo Rossi were struggling in Serie A and Europe, plus injuries to Mattias Vina, Calefiori, Spinazzola, Smalling. They prompted Mourinho to switch to a three-man defense with Ibanez, the VIP fan Kumbulla and Mancini. <laughs> On the other hand, Ethan Empado returned from suspension for Venezia, but Dennis Jonsson and Vacca were still out of action. It took only three minutes for Venezia to open the scoring, and it was Caldara of all people who stretched his leg out and poked it past Patricio after a lovely free kick cross by Aramu. Roma, good at taking free kicks, but not so great at defending them, it seems. Yeah. Abraham hit the post in a good chance shortly after, after he picked up a loose ball in the box. Veritu followed up and then skying the ball. Shumorodov then scored a goal after madness in the penalty area, with Abraham and Pellegrini both getting involved, Romero scrambling and Shumorodov there to pick up the scraps, successfully scoring in his start in the 3-5-2 formation. In the 47th minute, at the end of the first half, Abraham scored. Oh my God, Abraham scored finally after showing great strength on Ketcharoni and finished well. It was before before this goal, sorry to interrupt. Abraham was the worst striker statistically in Europe's top five that played over a certain amount of minutes, the lowest scoring one. Jesus Christ. Not warranted, to be honest. He's he's been better than that. He's been unlucky to the post a few times. Yeah. I mean, and it's his first season in, in Serie A, which is yeah, obviously yeah. A, a great a great point to make. Uh, this goal was made by Shumorodov, who played the ball in from wide after skipping past two players in excellent fashion, becoming a bit of a fan favourite after this match, I'd imagine. In the 65th minute, Aramu converted a penalty and sent Patricio the wrong way. Aramu on four goals and two assists this season. So the penalty was won by Caldara, also becoming a fan favourite now, after Cristante made contact with the player's legs. Very, it was a very unlucky penalty to give away for Cristante. He didn't really stop a goal-scoring opportunity, but maybe he was a bit clumsy in how he entered the clearance. He went to do like the scissor kick, where he puts the, his left foot first and then right foot. Um, but... 
yeah, not, not, not exactly sure about this call either. It was a bit of a weird weekend when it came to penalties given in the 74th minute and then Ronaldinho yeah. scored <laughs> a goal. <laughs> Fucking Okareke, man. Okareke. He was clean through after a lovely ball by Ethan Mpadu, of all people. And just the finish was mental. He did a step over and really quick after. Oh, yeah. he step over finished, with the right. Yeah, step over with the right. Instant shot with the left, leaving Patricio rooted to the spot, posing the exact same way he posed in Zlatan's free kick a couple of matches ago oh. as well. <laughs> in this goal in particular, Roma's back three were just out of shape and they were scattered all over the place. Ibanez was... Coming back after after he was attacking, Mancini and Cristante were both very slow. Obviously, Cristante at this point was playing centre-back after Kumbula was replaced by Carlos Perez in an attempt to salvage a point or, well, to get to get three yeah. points. Um, you'd think Roma would have been threatening for a draw with the final whistle fast approaching, but in the 84th minute, Modolo's close-range close header was saved onto the crossbar by Patricio and in the 90th minute Henri then also hit the post with his first touch of the game where he could have done much better. So let's talk a bit about Venezia. So this is Venezia's second impressive win of the season, beating Roma 3-2 at home. Uh, not to mention that they also beat Fiorentina 1-0 a couple of weeks ago as well. They also gave Torino the game of their lives where they managed to come away with a point after a 1-1 draw. Um, so Venezia are, you know, a much improved side from the beginning of the season. Maybe they're a good example of continuity, keeping the same manager and not freaking out because of a string of bad performances like dropping points to Cagliari, Spezia and all the bottom tier teams. I really hope that Venezia stay up, man. Yeah, me too. I like a lot of their players. I'm a big fan of Chirinigoy, who's renewed. I'm a big fan of Aramu. What a cool yeah. player. Aramu is so good. Uh, Okereke is the best blind footballer I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> he, he never sees the pass. He never makes the right decision. But somehow he's he's got the sauce. You know, he scores. He scores a few goals. He's pretty good. If he's um, off, he's off. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? He's a bit of a nightmare when he's yeah. off. He's annoying. Haps isn't bad. He came back from, from injury recently yeah. or he's just been introduced. Um, Buzio is a very promising young talent. You know, Romero's a decent keeper. Caldara's finding his mm -hmm. form now. They're a pretty solid side. Not to mention they have Jonsen out, as you, yeah. as you addressed yeah. earlier on. What's the deal with Henri? Henri is, as we've mentioned many times, their all-time highest... Um, yeah, I think like three million, yeah, six, six, six million. million. Yeah, they bought him for six million. Their their highest signing ever, their most expensive signing mm. ever. Excuse me. Um, I think he should be doing better. Yeah. Quite frankly, I find it weird that he hasn't like found his place in the team. They're playing Okarek as a striker instead. They could be playing him on the wing very easily. Yeah, you know, Jonsson was out here, so he had more space. But he's not quite been very effective for them. And how good do you think Venezia are, really? If we had to compare them to another Serie A team, perhaps? Well, I think they're better than the teams in the relegation pool right now. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Do you, do you think that they could be like Empoli? Mm, no, not yet. Not yet. No, no, no. Empoli won Serie B very convincingly last season. They're, they're, they're a few steps ahead of Venezia. Yeah. You know, if Venezia survived, that's going to be a massive achievement for them. 100%. They're a, cool, they're a cool club with a young team and a very nice project. 
um, very stylish team. Very, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of them. Yeah, I hope they don't lose half their players uh, at all towards the end of the season. It might happen. <laughs> Mourinho having a bit of a, a tough a time. Yeah. Mental breakdown in front of him. How everyone. many excuses do you think he can come up with before he gets the sack or, or leaves by his own accord? I'm just going to say it right now. If I were a sporting director or the owner of a team, I would not want this guy throwing my players under the bus. Absolutely not. millions of euros under the bus. Is that supposed to motivate them? What the fuck is it supposed I to do? I don't get Maybe he wants to get a reaction out of them, but it's not working. They look demoralized. There's I no see, confidence. I see maybe he's got that classic approach. He did the same thing to Luke Shaw, and Luke Shaw is fucking great now. You know yeah, After I mean? he left. After after he yeah, left, he I, I don't could know. Could have if, ruined him. Yeah, I don't know if Mourinho had had a positive. Plus, he's impact. still chubby because of him. <laughs> <laughs> he has an eating disorder now, yeah. Jose, because of Just you. Just at home, binge eating at night, thinking about yeah. Mourinho. I think Mourinho needs needs to learn a thing or two about the twenty first century. Yeah, I think Maybe. he needs to learn a thing about you know sports psychology. Yeah. And I think he should become more of a motivator like Gattuso was. Yeah. Do you think that the Stroma team would be better off with a manager like Gattuso, someone that's just going to make them fucking... Uh, right uh, now, yes, I'm going to go ahead and say yes. I think that Gattuso would be doing a better job than this guy. L- let me put things into perspective. So Milan had a massive injury crisis this season, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. They had to feature players like Tatarasano. They had to feature players like... Krunic. They had to feature players like Samu Castillejo at a point. Mm-hmm. These players have all contributed to Milan being at the top of the league. Mm-hmm. All of them. Why? Because purely gives them confidence. Yeah. Mourinho, on the other hand, brings these guys on as options after slating them. They don't give them anything. You know, they don't score. They don't fucking. They they look they look demoralized. They look demotivated, and he continues to slate them. Like, what what does he think is gonna happen? I have, I have no idea. I, I, I genuinely think he thinks that this shit motivates players Maybe. because or, they want to improve. And or he's a grade A narcissist and he doesn't want anyone to think it's his that's fault. That's it, though. That, that's yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah. That's the way I view it. I, I don't think that, like, like you're saying, purely. He's an absolute magician when it comes to getting the best out of his players. He got Meite and he was utilized last season and he was utilized brilliantly. He has Daniel Maldini scored against Spezia. Daniel Maldini <laughs> scored against Spezia. He, he's got three strikers that are all fighting for their place up front. Yeah. One of them is 40, the other is 34, and the other is a winger. Yeah. And they're yeah, all yeah, yeah. fighting for that top top yeah. spot up, up front. This is what Roma need. Roma have a very versatile team, man. They have a lot of good players on the bench, and they have a lot of good players on the pitch. Yeah. It's about time... That there's no segregation, that these players train yeah. together and learn from each other. You can't just say, yes, I wish I could play Pellegrini in every position because he's great, but mm, everyone else is kind of shit, and even Bodo Glimt have a better team than yeah, us. Yeah. Like, what the fuck are you it, talking man. about, dude? Stop it. You're in trouble, Mourinho. Yeah. <laughs> You're in trouble. It was nice to see Shamorodov scoring. Um, I'll say that. But um, also, this Roma side is a Ritiro waiting to happen. They they need a Ritiro. <laughs> they need a Ritiro. And they need Spinazzola back as well. They so Mourinho can shut the fuck up. Like. Yeah. But anyway, Roma all the way down in 6th place now on 19 points. Venezia up to 15th on 12 points. Onwards and upwards. The next match took place between Lazio and Salernitana. Lazio secured a Club record equaling 16th home victory of the calendar year with a comfortable 3-0 win over Salernitana at the Stadio Olimpico. 
It was Immobile, fresh from scoring a club record 160th goal on Thursday, scoring the first goal in the 31st minute. It was a savage cross that found Pedro's head, who flicked it onto Immobile, who scored a header. In the 36th minute, it was Pedro who scored, taking advantage of Salernitana's dangerous and cheap giveaway, to be honest with you. They were playing so dangerously at the back, I don't know what they were doing, and they were punished for it. And the killer blow was dealt in the 69th minute when Luis Alberto was played through by Philippe Anderson. Beautiful, beautiful ball from the right-hand side to the left. And um, Luis Alberto saw the gap between the defender's legs and placed it perfectly in the bottom corner. Luis Alberto seemed to look directly at Lotito, go on his knees and pump his arms in the air, almost, you know, provoking Lotito. Lotito (laughs) didn't look happy at all with him. He didn't look happy that he scored. Not even a smile. He was almost looking away from him. He's out. Yeah. Um, Salernitana and Lazio have both earned two home victories in their last four Serie A meetings. Salernitana have never won two mm-hmm. games in a row in Serie A, so this was an easy one to bet on. Um, so our first talking point, bro. Durich, the big man up front for mm. Salernitana, he's just a budget Zlatan, isn't he? <laughs> he hit the crossbar with his head, he has a ponytail, he's six foot six, he's yeah. massive. He's kind of like a wish Zlatan, you know? Yeah, exactly. Ali, AliExpress Zlatan, like. Well, he's a good option for Salernitana. I mean, if I had a six foot six guy on the bench, I would love tossing him in in the 90th minute when I needed when yeah. I needed someone to get a flick on. And you don't really expect Salernitana to have many better options than Durich. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, with Castori, it was perfect to have two six foot six guys up front. No? Yeah. <laughs> and now with Colantuono, I'm not sure. I'm not. Sure. I don't really see a difference in the in the style of play that that Salernitana play. To be honest. Yeah. Um, is there any hope for them, Salernitana? Do they look better than the current bottom teams? No, I, I, I think they're the worst team in the league, potentially, alongside you know Cagliari at the moment, but Cagliari obviously have, have better yeah. players and they have a higher ceiling. But uh, yeah. Facilities-wise, I don't think they have the facilities to improve in January, while no. Cagliari might have the pull, you know, everyone wants to live in Sardinia. It's a long, long season, yeah, and yeah, Salernitana yeah. will... You know, get the best from most teams, yeah. and they'll struggle as a result of that. I actually. think they're done. I think they're down too. <coughs> I'd be very surprised if Salernitana stay up. Yeah, now, same. bro, I want you to rank Lazio, Roma, Juve, and Fiorentina from best to worst. Juve. I'm gonna start with them. Now I'm gonna go Lazio, Fiorentina, Roma. Cool. Okay. What I'll do you go. Think? I'll go Lazio are the best ones right now, mm-hmm. followed by Juve, mm-hmm. followed by Fiorentina, followed by Roma. Fair enough. Yeah. Nice. I respect your rankings. Thank you very much, man. We can move on from this one, to be honest. It was a pretty comfortable win. Um, Salernitana stay 19th, two points <laughs> off of safety. Not too bad. While Lazio go up to fifth, one point from fourth. So a bit more exciting over here. Two teams battled it out till, you know, the final moments of the match. Empoli at home against Genoa in a 2-2 draw. The battle between Andrea Zoli and the last match Ballardini took charge of for Genoa after his fourth spell, naturally. Empoli coming off a great win against Sassuolo away from home. Genoa coming off a 0-0 draw against Venezia. As I mentioned, Ballardini was sacked after going nine matches winless with only one win in all of the season, making it his fourth negative spell at the club. 
I mean, the manager has one of the worst track records I've I've ever seen. I, I don't know what what happened to him. Obviously, Shevchenko stepping in after some in this, in some impressive displays with Ukraine, as we mentioned in the intro. So in the 13th minute, Krishito scored a penalty, five out of five this season. This time, the keeper managed to track it, but the the ball was too powerful for him to manage to even get a hand to it. Um, this penalty was won after Galdames' cross made contact with Fiamozzi's raised arm. Like, just keep it down, bro. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm done seeing defenders try block the ball by flailing their hands in the in the air. And I think we saw a great display between Inter and Milan where all the defenders were literally with their arms glued to their body yeah. in order not to give away this penalty. Yeah. Then you move slightly down the table and you see people playing volleyball. In the 62nd minute, Di Francesco scored to make it 1-1. Pinamonti and Zurkowski linked up well on the right flank. Zurkowski finding Di Francesco, who was all alone, to finish well. He was in bags of space, Di Francesco. He had time and space, all the time and space in the world. In the 71st minute, a sister turned scorer when Zurkowski scored a great low drive from miles out. And the ball really moved in this. It dipped and swerved a little bit. Um, yeah, beautiful goal. But the Empoli players must have smelt like pure shit because they found themselves in bags of space the entire time, man, in this game. I don't think Genoa know anything about man marking. Um, but yeah, as a result of that, they made it 2-1. It was great work by Parisi, but still so much for Zerkowski to do, obviously, and he did brilliantly there. In the 89th minute, Bianchi salvaged a point after Caicedo. Got a neat flick through, followed with a powerful finish by Bianchi into the top corner. He couldn't have hit it better in that scenario. And Genoa actually managed to come away with a point against Empoli. Now, how much of an impact do you think Sheva will have on Genoa? So, don't think this is another ex-player gone manager who, you know, is totally underqualified. Because Shevchenko has been... Very good. He's yeah. turned the Ukraine team around completely. They're playing very good football. Um, he tends to go for a 4-3-3 or a 3-5-2. Very good formations for, for Genoa. And we've seen them both this season. Um, I think they're going to look completely different. I think they have a few strikers that could learn a thing or two from Shevchenko and, and Caicedo. You know, Definitely. And Destro as well. So I think... I think Genoa fans should be excited. You know, it's going to be exciting for them. I don't see them getting relegated with this appointment. A very exciting appointment. Yeah, and it's a young manager, a young progressive manager with bags of experience. It's weird to see him shifting from politician to football manager to politician to football manager. Controversial politician. A controversial politician. There was some, some crap. I think many of the guys at Genoa are going to be in awe of him and they're going to be dying to impress him. Yeah, 100, 100%. And like like I said, a young progressive manager, um, Genoa can score goals. I think that's what separates them from from the bottom teams. And with Shevchenko in place, maybe they could even rack up some more against bigger teams. Will Empoli be disappointed to drop points in this match? I think this was a game which was important to not lose. Their position in the table proves that at the moment they're safe, so they're not going to be too disappointed. With mm-hmm. this one, personally. What do you think? I think they're taking things as they come, quite quite similar to you. I think, although they were 2-1 up, they weren't yeah. the better side against Genoa. Genoa were going forward, they were they were trying, but it's just the lack of results that accumulated to Ballardini's sacking, obviously. But yeah, Empoli will yeah. just be taking 
team on and team on as as they come and but they find themselves in in 11th place yeah, alongside seven points from the drop seven points from the drop and you know it, it it still has the potential to go sour but it doesn't look like it will be going sour they've got some flair to them and and I like the sample side yeah. I'm calling it from now if Sampdoria do sack Daversa it's Ballardini who take his place you think so <laughs> why not man that's no all he does way. that's all he does he joins teams when they're in trouble when they're going to get relegated he joins them and he saves them yeah. and then they're like oh this guy is good then they keep him for the next season they sack him halfway through <laughs> that's been happening since 2004 by the way yeah so as i said i'm putting in 11th place 16 points level with hellas genoa 17th on nine points so the next game took place between Spezia and Torino, seeing Spezia winning 1-0 through a 58th minute wonder goal by Sala with a Kovalenko assist. It was a moment of brilliance where he received the ball on the edge of the area and he thumped it home, um, leaving giving Vanya Milinkovic Savage absolutely no chance. Yeah, goal of the week. Goal of the week, probably, yeah. Um, Spezia are unbeaten versus four teams in Serie A, fun fact. Benevento, Cagliari, Parma and Torino. How interesting. Yeah, they've actually never lost to Torino. Wow. Last season they actually beat Torino 4-1. It was the only match in which Spezia have scored at least four goals. Italiano Spezia, forever goated. Yeah. Um, This was their first clean sheet in 27 matches. Oh yeah, and they're on an unbeaten home run of three games, so things are looking up for Motta's men. I have to say, it's it's yeah, they're they're looking not bad. Yeah, I mean, again, nothing special, but no, not, <laughs> not, not terrible. I'm very surprised by this result. I have to say, Even I'm not quite me. sure what happened, and I'm not quite sure what I'm going to say about this. Torino dominated the ball for the majority of the game, but didn't really have a shot on target. I think they had one shot on target in the whole Jesus. game. Um, they dominated, but they didn't look much better than Spezia. Spezia had one moment of brilliance and they actually took all three points away from them. Juric must be fuming. Especially after that 3-0 victory against Sampdoria. I mean, Torino have really been showing us something this year. They look like a really good team, so a disappointing yeah, it's drop just for the them. Points. The points don't add up to how they've been playing. Yeah. You know, granted, they had a striker injury crisis at the beginning of the season. Balotti's back, he hasn't really hit the ground running. But um, he he will grow He'll into it, I'm, I'm pretty sure. So Spezia will be relieved that they managed to get three points out of this one, considering that three out of their next five games are against Atalanta, Inter and Roma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that, that sounds terrible. That's, that's a three tough losses, run. Like... Yeah, that's them potentially slipping into the relegation pool. Yeah. Um, Torino have lost four out of the last six in Serie A. It's very unfortunate as we address because they're playing very well. So Spezia are currently in 16th with 11 points, two, po- two points clear of the relegation pool, while Torino find themselves in 12th with 14 points. Not too bad, not too bad. The next game saw Udinese beat Sassuolo, very much as you predicted, 3-2 in the Gotti versus Dionisi. This is what battle. won it for me, baby. Udinese returning from Retiro with a victory after eight matches going without a win. Sassuolo coming off a home loss to Empoli, despite beating Juve 2-1 away from home the match earlier. Classic. In the 8th minute, Delafeo opened the scoring with a neat finish after some great play by Odinese, in particular Beckau, who held the ball and released perfectly, putting Delafeo in a position where it was really hard to miss, basically. Finished the ball into quite an empty net. Moments after, in the 15th minute, a blunder by Silvestri, passing the ball straight to Berardi inside the box on the Italian's favourite left foot, who slotted the ball under the keeper's legs. Great work by Mimmo, and a terrible moment for Silvestri. 
28 minutes Rogerio found Frattesi at the near post with a low cross who smashed the ball over Consigli after losing Luitink well and it's his third goal of the season, Frattesi. Very nice, very nice run by him. Nine minutes later, Frattesi scored an own goal. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about that. A cross by Delapo was headed out to Molina who was miles out, but he took a shot, he let the ball bounce twice in front of him, he had so much time and space. It took a massive deflection of Frattesi, who had an extended leg, left Consigli's stand and hit the back of the net. In the second half, and then Udinese came out all guns blazing, as in the 51st minute, Beto scored after Pereira found himself clean through on goal after Wallace's shot deflected off Kirikes. He sweated the ball to Beto, who finished into an empty net. The VAR, che- VAR had to check the goal, as it seemed like it was an offside position, but deemed it totally legal. In the 90th minute, and then Makengo got his second yellow of the match, one of the stupidest I've ever seen, as he pushed Mimmo after Mimmo had already released the ball, whilst on a yellow card. Now, both teams find themselves in the same position. They're... Well, they're in 13th and 14th, each on 14 points. If you had to take over one of them as a manager right now, who would you choose? Sassuolo hands down. Sassuolo hands yes, down. Is it because sure. of Berardi or... It's just because of the, the culture. Um, granted, Udinese actually have a stronger fan base than Sassuolo, which would be fun. Yeah. Right? Sassuolo, that must be depressing, you know, the, the fan base. But anyway, um, Sassuolo for sure because of the players, man. I, I think you can get something going with them, you know. I don't yeah. know what kind of manager I'd be, but Sassuolo are definitely more fun to manage. 100%. But man, they've been they've been really bad and and I'm I'm fed up of talking shit about them because I really like them and mm-hmm. I really hope that they manage to turn things around. What do you think of Dionisi's future at the club? No, Dionisi's a long-term project. He's he's fine as well. I I don't think that I, this is obviously a uh, year zero kind of thing for Sassuolo. I, I expect them to invest a little bit in January, especially in the winter mar- in the summer market next year. The only reason I would agree with you mm-hmm. is because of the players that they lost and the yeah, fact that they didn't have the resources to bring in top star fucking yeah. uh, direct changes for them. Yeah. I mean, Raspadori and Scamacca, as we've mentioned before, are no, are no Ciccio Caputo. Frattesi's coming through. Yeah. Frattesi's having some good matches and he's, he's contributing now. Um, I'm even predicting that in the near future, we might even see him called up for the seniors of, of Italy. Tough competition in that role. Warming Tough the bench. Yeah, warming the bench, but he has to get through Brian Cristante first. That's that's who I see him yeah. directly replacing <laughs> them for. Possibly. But Cristantes, I mean, I, I see why Cristantes utilized yeah, yeah. because he's a savage and he could also play center. He's the only big player that doesn't play in defense for Italy. Did you see that Scamacca got called up for Italy because Immobile pulled up? Yeah, injured? I saw. No. I saw. So as it stands, Sassuolo, who are 14th in Serie yeah. A, have both their strikers called on, up on for the Italy. National team goes to show that they do have potential there. You know, they have. They have a lot of means of making money as well. You know, I mean, take a look. They, they cashed in on Caputo. Mm-hmm. The money is still there. They haven't reinvested it. Yeah. They will definitely cash in on Berardi at some point in the near yeah. future. You know, they Scamacca and Raspadori are both potentially 20 million yeah. players. You know you know what I mean? Juricic as well is, is a good wouldn't make, He's a good player for them, but I don't think he could make them bank, you know? No. Boga could make them bank. Million. Yeah. You know what I mean? 10 to 15, yeah, probably, maybe 8. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe. 
So both sides are obviously very keen to improving their form as of late. Udinese managed to get a win after Retiro, which is always important. Good to see that the players reacted well. They kept their shape. And, you know, Sassuolo allowed themselves to get into another dogfight. It's always a difficult dogfight when you play Udinese. But they will be very disappointed to lose at home against a team that is essentially, you know, individually worse than them. So the first question comes from Ligma underscore nuts on Twitter <laughs> who asks Brilliant. Matt, how does Jake's asshole taste after last oh, weekend? Oh, fucking fantastic, bro. Great one. Thanks, man. Great one. <laughs> Jesus. Like hemorrhoids. <laughs> so <Tastes> like. <laughs> the first question actually comes from at S Rousey on Twitter, our boy Seb Rousey. Who asks, which footballer make, made you think I'd hate to be him right now? Ooh. And for me, I have an answer if you want to think about it a little bit. Ooh, go uh, for it. Carius. Carius. Ah. Yeah. yeah. yeah During Champions the Champions League, League final. final, two massive blunders basically threw away everything Liverpool had worked for. Um, was not rejoiced, you know, was not um, consoled by the fans after the game. Terrible for him, poor guy. Poor guy. And then he went to Turkey after and vanished. Mine would be Escobar, who scored oh. <laughs> an own goal in the World Cup final for Colombia. Got death threats telling him not to leave his home. After like six months, he left his home and they shot him dead. Wow. So yeah, I'd hate to be him right now. Yeah, I, I don't blame you, man. <laughs> good, good answer, good answer. Good answer. <laughs> I've also hated, uh, I would also hate to be Morata on a couple of occasions. Yeah, I, me too, me too. But then it must be fun being him at He's good looking as well. Must, well he has a hot wife as well. Does no? he have a hot wife? He does have a hot wife. He scored a few important goals, but there's this whole story about how she was his fan and, and, and he met her and he signed her autograph and they I don't know man. Yeah. Okay. Um the next question comes from Jamie Dent at Jamie Dent on Instagram. Um probably not, but no one's gonna look you up anyway. Um, <laughs> he asks thoughts on Aramu. Venezia's Aramu, of course. I think Aramu, no matter what happens to Venezia, whether they go down or stay up, I think he moves to a bigger club. Yeah. I see him even starting for quite a few teams. I'd say that the top team he could probably play for and get significant minutes would be a Fiorentina. I think he could get minutes at Fiorentina. Definitely. Yeah, he could get. He, I'm not sure if he'd be a starter, but he could totally mm-hmm. get minutes. And yeah. he'd, he'd be fighting for his place. I feel any mm-hmm. higher than that, he'll be. He'll be. He'll yeah, probably yeah. be on the bench. But he'd be a great squad player. Yeah. Look, he's contributing a lot this season. He's he's had his opportunities from the spot where he seems like he's very reliable. He hasn't missed a single one yet. He's got a great boot on him he can cross the ball he can give through passes he can shoot from distance he's a number 10 you know yeah. what i mean yeah he's very good he's brilliant um jamie's obviously asking because he has him on fantasy football and he's been <laughs> doing very very well for him i'm a big fan of Aramo. he reminds <laughs> me of those like i love these these players on small clubs that make the difference like it was Simeon crotone last year there was viola on benevento you know when we, are we gonna see that guy vi- for Bologna? viola is on Bologna right now. Um, he's he should be playing soon. I, I can't wait to watch him. So he yeah. normally like, comes on like the seventy fifth or yeah. something like that. But just everything he does from the seventy fifth minute onwards. Yeah. Just watch his left foot. Mamma mia. Brilliant. And his face starts as well. Yeah. <laughs> 
God bless you, holy shit. Jesus Christ. Moved I, I fucking moved a lot, okay. dude. But anyway, thank you guys for listening to the 13th episode of Seria Spotlight, where your hosts Matt and Jake. Thank you for asking your questions. Don't forget to follow us on both Twitter and Instagram. We're quite active on both, so enjoy. Thank you very much, guys. It's been a pleasure.